Dear Bosie, after long and fruitless waiting, I have determined to write to you myself, as much for your sake as for mine, as I would not like to think that I had passed through two long years of imprisonment without ever having received a single line from you, or any news or message even, except such as gave me pain. Our ill-fated and most lamentable friendship has ended in ruin and public infamy for me. Yet the memory of our ancient affection is often with me, and the thought that loathing, bitterness and contempt should forever take that place in my heart once held by love is very sad to me. And you yourself will, I think, feel in your heart that to write to me as I lie in the loneliness of prison life is better than to publish my letters without my permission or to dedicate poems to me unasked, though the world will know nothing of whatever words of grief or passion or remorse or indifference you may choose to send as your answer or your appeal. You must read this letter right through, though each word may become to you as the fire or knife of the surgeon that makes the delicate flesh burn and bleed. Remember that the fool in the eyes of the gods and the fool in the eyes of man are very different. The real fool, such as the gods mock or ma, is he who does not know himself. I was such a one too long. You have been such a one too long. Be so no more. Do not be afraid. For I will begin by telling you that I blame myself terribly. As I sit here in this dark cell in convict clothes, a disgraced and ruined man, I blame myself. In the perturbed and fitful nights of anguish, in the long monotonous days of pain, it is myself I blame. I blame myself for allowing an unintellectual friendship, a friendship whose primary aim was not the creation and contemplation of beautiful things to entirely dominate my life. From the very first, there was too wide a gap between us. You had been idle at your school, worse than idle at your university. You did not realize that an artist, and especially such an artist as I was, as I am, one, that is to say, the quality of whose work depends on the intensification of personality, requires for the development of his art the companionship of ideas, an intellectual atmosphere, quiet, peace, and solitude. You admired my work when it was finished. You enjoyed the brilliant successes of my first nights and the brilliant banquets that followed them. You were proud, and quite naturally so, of being an intimate friend of an artist so distinguished. But you could not understand the conditions requisite for the production of artistic work. I remember, for instance, in September 93, to select merely one instance out of many, taking a set of chambers purely in order to work undisturbed, as I had broken my contract with John Hare, for whom I had promised to write a play, and who was pressing me on the subject. During that first week, you kept away. In that week, I wrote and completed in every detail, as it was ultimately performed, the first act of an ideal husband. The second week, you returned, and my work practically had to be given up. At twelve o'clock, you drove up and stayed smoking cigarettes and chattering till one-thirty, when I had to take you out to luncheon at the Café Royal or the Barclay. Luncheon, with its liqueur, lasted usually till three-thirty. For an hour, you retired to White's. 
At tea time, you appeared again and stayed till it was time to dress for dinner. You dined with me either at the Savoy or at Tite Street. We did not separate, as a rule, till after midnight. A supper at Willis's had to wind up the entrancing day. That was my life for those three months. Every single day, except during the four days when you went abroad. I then, of course, had to go over to Calais to fetch you back. For one of my nature and temperament, it was a position at once grotesque and tragic. In the case of an artist, weakness is nothing less than a crime when it is weakness that paralyzes the imagination. Out of the reckless dinners with you, nothing remains but the memory that too much was eaten and too much was drunk. I frankly admit that the folly of throwing away all this money on you and letting you squander my fortune to your own hurt as well as to mine gives to me, and in my eyes, a note of common profligacy to my bankruptcy that makes me doubly ashamed of it. 